0: From WBEZ Chicago, it's a special Christmas edition of This American Life. We have a bunch of things for you today, including, later in the program, Christmas on Fire. But let's just kick things off right now with a song. Recorded at an event we did, on stage, a little while back.
1: On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Twelve drummers drumming, eleven pipers piping Ten lords a-leaping, nine ladies dancing Eight maids a-milking, seven swans a-swimming, six geese a-laying, five
2: golden rings.
1: Four calling birds, three
3: French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree.
0: I have always hated that song. (laughs) I have always hated that song. I feel like that song is symbolic of everything that is bad about
2: Christmas.
0: (laughs) I was just saying, I have no bad feelings about Christmas. I am a non-combatant when it comes to Christmas. I I was on stage uh, talking about this song because we had this idea that we thought might make a really fun thing to try for Christmas. And that is, we organized a night of improv comedy. And I know maybe you're saying, okay, how does that go together? Why improv comedy and Christmas? Okay, well, this is going to take a little explaining. Stay with me. This British writer and performer named Daniel Kitson I saw him say this thing about Christmas that seems so true. He says that when you're a kid and you wake up Christmas morning, what makes Christmas feel so magical is this feeling of like, oh my God, it's going to be amazing. The world is so full of possibility. Anything can happen. The fact that Santa Claus even exists, this literally magical being who came to your home. And uh, Kitson says this thrilled feeling that anything can happen, that is the thing that is so hard to hold on to once we become adults. And in fact, he says that so many adults at Christmas, they try to recreate the same Christmas year after year with the same everything over and over and over. It's like they lock in. Christmas becomes the opposite of anything can happen. That is why it never feels as magical to adults. But it is possible to get back to that feeling. And, okay, back to the plan for today's show. One place that adults embrace that feeling that anything can happen and it's going to happen and then they make it happen is improv comedy. Where, you know, they walk on stage with no idea what anybody's going to say and then one person tries something, they say something and then somebody else pitches in with a line of their own and then somebody else pitches in and before you know it, they've made like a whole scene, a whole world really. And so with that in mind, we got these incredible improv comedians and we got a club to perform in and we did a show. And we did the show in this particular style of improv where the people on stage, they tell true stories about their lives. And then those stories, those true stories, become the basis of the improv scenes that they then invent. And those scenes lead them to other true stories that then lead them into other improv scenes and so on and so on and so on. And I was there. I kicked things off with a story about that song, about the song The Twelve Days of Christmas, which is a song that I noticed even though, just to say it again, Christmas is not my day. I am not somebody who celebrates Christmas at all. I'm a Jew, and I'm not that kind of Jew whose parents celebrated Christmas and Hanukkah. We were pure Hanukkah people, and we looked down on the Christmas Hanukkah Jews. And in fact, I grew up in a suburb of Baltimore that was so Jewish, I didn't understand that we were in the minority. And so Christmas, I do nothing. It means nothing to me, the day means nothing. And most years, I go to Vegas on Christmas. <laughs> but I do really love Christmas music. I've always loved Christmas music. And, and at some point in my 20s, I started to make a collection of Christmas CDs and records. And the worst song of all is the song The 12 Days of Christmas. <laughs> and whenever it comes on, I just think, like, why is this still in circulation? <laughs> First of all, the words refer to a life and a world that none of us can relate to or care about. Twelve words a-leaping. What what experience is that even referring to? And then, swans are swimming, geese are laying, so, so are we in a warm climate, a cold climate? It just raises so many questions, but also the form of the song is so intensely boring. And you guys know what I'm talking about, where you do the first one, and then you go back and you do all the ones before it, which you already did. You know what I mean? So you do two turtle doves and a partridge in a picture, then three French hens, two turtle doves and a partridge in a picture, then four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves and a partridge in five golden rings, four <laughs> calling birds. And just like, and so you know what's going to happen. It's repetitious in the most boring way. And then it's always sung very slowly, which is annoying. And I don't know why it survived hundreds of years to still be around. And, and my only thought is five golden rings. Five golden rings is the hook of the song. And you've sung the song, right? When you get to five golden rings, everybody breathes a sigh relief. It's like, five golden rings. And you just feel like, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the drums, that's the hook of the song. And without, five golden rings, this song would be nothing. <laughs> okay, so at this point, this is me back in the studio talking. At this point, if I could just describe the stage, sitting on stools in a row, there are six improv comedians. And we got some of the best people around for this kind of thing. Seriously, we felt so lucky they agreed to be in the show. Ad Bryant and Sashir Zameda, they're both on Saturday Night Live. Scott adds it. He was on 30 Rock. Uh, and before that, he was in Second City. So was Tammy Sager. Chris Gethard and Mike Birbiglia, they've both been on a radio program before, Mike many, many times. They both have deep improv backgrounds. So six of them are sitting on the stage on these stools, and they listen to that first story that I told to kick things off. And Mike was the first one to stand up and speak.
4: Oh. Well, first of all, I want to uh, disagree with Ira about that song. I, I think in some sense it's sort of the 15 bottles of beer on the wall of Christmas carols. It's anthemic. It's repetitive. Uh, I think where the disconnect happens is that it's just British things.
2: What uh,
1: what kind of American things would you put in there? Like a bald eagle? A bald eagle bald in a... De- in oh. a
5: what? Oak
4: tree? Yeah. <laughs> Bald eagle in, a, in an oak tree. Yeah, we just gotta de British the whole thing. I think that's the problem. Lady Habersquire?
1: Yes.
6: We've been courting now for going on 10 months. And yes. uh, I've been playing in my mind with what to get you for Christmas.
1: Lord, may we I am sure that whatever you bring me on Christmas will bring me much. What? May I give it to you now? Oh, yes, but so soon before Christmas. I'm excited, I think I did well. All right.
6: Here you are, five golden
1: rings. Oh. Oh my goodness.
6: But I've also brought you... 23 birds. Sorry? 23 individual birds, and 50 human people. Could you stay in a group, please?
4: We are the Christmas Prison.
1: I love it.
2: Um,
1: Lord Mavermunch, um, if we could just go back for a moment to the five golden rings. Ah, yes. Yes. Uh, So, two questions. (laughs) Question number one. What is the difference between a gold ring and a golden ring? (laughs) Because one seems to imply that it merely has the color, yet none of the value.
6: Well, you've caught me there. I am um, afraid to say the pear tree costs rather more than I expected.
1: Lord Mervyn,
6: do they have a squire?
1: Do you remember when you first came courting?
6: Oh yes, my memory is intact.
1: Was it? Because I just. I'm never telling you I don't like a turtle dove.
2: <laughs>
1: I find roses played out. And, and quite frankly, uh, lords are leaping, I've seen enough. And yet, that's all you seem to have brought. Oh, oh, come, come, on, on, come oh, on! We're
2: so good! Hey, Watch this! Hey. <laughs> 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 I'm going so high! <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, just... Know what they call you in the county?
2: <laughs>
1: I don't. They call you quantity over quality. <laughs> <See>?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: wondering if you guys actually have memories. Did any of you have to go caroling, or did you sing in? Um...
1: Um, I am also super Jewish. I'm Israeli Jewish, so the level of... oh, uh, <laughs> no,
0: you totally out-Jew me. Yeah,
1: I, uh, <laughs> but I was in the Chicago Children's Choir. Um, and it was a little kid's choir. And the big thing that you do at Christmas is sing Christmas carols. So two things that I remember very well from uh, Christmas choir was... Uh, one was I got a solo that I got to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, And I screwed up. And that was horrifying. Uh, The other thing that just occurred to me now is, so it was on the south side of Chicago, and it was pretty racially diverse, meaning I was usually, was the minority, not just as a Jew, but as a white person um, in choir. And so we also did a lot of gospels, which is where I discovered that I can't clap. Uh, And, uh... It became something that I would practice at home.
0: Could I just have clarification, just as a fact-checking yeah. matter? You would practice clapping. Yeah. To what? Like, What would be the sound? <laughs> you would...
1: Just the radio. I would just turn on the radio, and I'd be like I would just like, try to clap on the beat. Because if you don't know how to clap, and you're in a choir clapping, it's
6: terrifying. <laughs> Bernice, I was watching you sing in the chorus.
5: Oh, wow. You saw me? Wow.
6: I see everything. I'm Jesus.
5: Uh, uh, wow, this is, this is so cool for me. This is huge. Oh,
6: listen, it's an honor to meet you.
5: Oh, oh my God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus.
6: You know, I hear that all day. But it still means a lot when you say
5: it. Oh, you Jesus, you're so nice.
6: I gotta tell you, you really should not be singing.
2: <laughs> oh, what do you mean? What do you mean by what you're saying? Well, I think... Oh, what do you mean? Bernice, I...
6: Bernice, I think you're answering your own question, there.
4: Um, You know, I'm the Holy Spirit, and I just wanted, to, uh, just wanted to chime in. I think Bernice has a really nice voice. Dave, uh,
6: I told you not to come.
4: All right.
5: Well, maybe it's because I'm singing, like, um, gorgeous God songs. Maybe you want more of, like, a pop hit or something? No,
6: what I'm saying is that you are singing from your heart, but your heart is not good enough. It really puts other people off, and it's pushing people away from me. I need people. I need more people.
7: We cut to a, uh, an exec- a television executive's office. I, uh, I got to say, we got this show, and uh, the judges, they're too soft. And I think you're the exact kind of hard edge we need, Jesus.
6: Well, I appreciate the compliment, but I... I would be happy to do the job, but let me also warn you that when I bring judgment, that's the end of the world. Listen, that's the kind of ratings bonanza I've been looking for, okay? I'm in. CeeLo, Aguilera, they softball it. They
7: feel, Adam Levine, they all feel bad. Nobody gives an honest opinion. I need somebody who's gonna be harsh. I need somebody who's gonna be brutal. Who's gonna say, this is exactly how I see it.
6: Don't talk to me about Adam Levine, man.
7: What do I gotta do to get you on my network? I know money means nothing to you. You're omnipotent. You know everything. You have access to everything. What do I got to do to get you on my airwaves? I want
6: you to live your life as I would live mine.
4: <laughs> Same. My Jewish brothers, welcome. Uh, I call this meeting... You so call this can... minion. Uh, thank there's you for... ten of
1: us, I got to say. There's uh, ten of us. Thank
4: you for the correction, Jacob. Uh, <laughs> I call this Minion uh, to discuss our grievances with Christmas as a holiday. I know it's not our holiday, but I know that I have some concerns. Brother
1: Abraham, I think you should adjust your level of Jewy. It's a little high.
4: Oh, here it is. It's it's on my
5: anklet here. there we are. Oh. Wow. Well, I don't like it! <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, this is Ira in the studio. I'm just going to stop the tape for a second. Uh, just to make perfectly clear what's happening on stage right now. Okay, so the first comedian in the scene, Mike Birbiglia, he had some trouble with his Jewish accent, as you heard, and he was teased about it. And then another comedian, A.D. Bryant, entered the scene, and she has so much trouble coming up with a Jewish accent that at some point that just becomes what the scene is about is her discomfort at this awful accent, and the other performer is kind of egging her on and also ribbing her about it very affectionately. Okay, back to the scene.
5: Well, wow. well, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the holiday one bit.
7: <laughs> I want to uh, welcome our brother from the Italian branch of Judaism. <laughs>
4: Thank you, Antonio, for bringing the 24 pizzas.
7: (laughs) We hope everything's going well at the temple out in Bay Ridge.
5: It truly is, please continue. I'll stay quiet, I promise, for the rest of the meeting.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Antonio, Antonio. you guys are getting
5: sweat everywhere. Yeah, my favorite thing about being Jewish is, of course, the sweet lasagna. And I, I want everyone to know that I'm trying my absolute hardest. I feel we must move on. See? Sí. I'm sorry to all the cultures (laughs) everywhere around the world.
4: Fellas, 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 get in here. Fellas, uh, I'm working on... Yeah,
5: yeah, 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 what's up, yeah.
4: I want to get the the group back together for a Christmas song, and uh, I was just thinking uh, this one would be just five golden rings.
5: Whoa. Wow, okay.
4: Jettison the other verses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We hit five golden rings hard, right? <laughs> we will circle back. Okay. You could do some scatting.
5: Oh my god. Well, I'm in. <laughs> if, you... if you're gonna finally let me do it, then the dop dop yeah.
4: <laughs> I, just think, I just think we all need to accept the truth, which is uh, nobody likes the other version.
5: I don't know, George. I feel like a lot of people are gonna miss, like, calling birds. <laughs> or at least the nine ladies dancing abebede beat badawa
2: see
1: dad yeah i want to feed the geese
7: <laughs> okay uh, we can do that i just want to just want to make sure you know they're an extremely vicious animal <laughs>
1: De- no, I've seen geese before. They're, like, really cute. And... Okay.
7: <laughs> you know I'm a big believer in letting you learn your lessons. Here, uh...
1: You always say that before, I, like, something really bad happens.
7: I mean, I, ch- I just tried to warn you. They can be a really aggressive animal. Okay. But sure, yeah. Give me the bread. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Go for broke. Just remember what I told you.
1: All right. Come here, little goosey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
6: oh, you are really beautiful.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs>
6: I'm sorry, I don't usually say that, but you are really gorgeous.
2: <laughs> Thanks. I mean, you're the
6: kind of person that a goose would give up his whole life for. I mean, I could take you places. I'm, I'm going way too fast, I'm sorry. But you, you're turning me around. Huh? <laughs>
5: Did you hear that?
7: <laughs> yeah, like I told you, super aggressive.
1: <laughs> See?
4: Um, uh, did you guys have this as, uh, as a kid where the joy of Christmas, uh, when I look back on it, I think has a lot to do with no school. Oh, yes. Just this hey. idea of, wait... There's a, there's a week where there's no school?
1: It's so different when you don't celebrate Christmas. Because for you, it's two weeks where you don't see your friends. Because they are all going somewhere cool and having fun. But Jews also give the school break, too, right? <laughs> it's not like <laughs> you still have to go to school. <laughs> but we love school!
4: Children, gather around. We have a class-wide announcement. All right. The Jews.
1: This is never good. See. Um,
5: I was, I was, I was just gonna tell a quick story. I'm gonna listen. Great. Well, I feel like we keep talking about like, especially people who were like always um, experiencing like a Jewish. Christmas experience, but I was the exact opposite, (laughs) where, like, until I was 13 years old, I did not know Jewish people existed, maybe, (laughs) and I loved Christmas so much that I would get up at, like, 3 in the morning to try and look at my presents, and um, I just always felt like such simple things would give me such overwhelming joy that I, I... I wish I could have that now. Like one Christmas morning, I was in my little Christmas gown and I like crept down and there was a giant stuffed animal, St. Bernard, which is not like a bike that you can ride or something that you can do with. It's just going to sit there and you're going to look at it and love it. And as soon as I saw it, I was so happy. I, I, I could not believe my eyes. I fell to my knees and I my pants. <laughs> I just like, upon the sight of this St. Bernard, I just was like, thank you! And I fell to my knees and just blasted right into my pants. So I had to like creep into my parents' room and say like, good morning, Mom, Merry Christmas. Um, I've soiled myself and I need your help.
0: Can I ask the other uh, improv stars on stage, like, did, did you have moments like that of like such incredible joy at at Christmas, like not not that it would take your body to that lens, but but do you know what I mean, like like moments of just like pure pure joy in that way that I think we rarely have as adults? You have
6: when when I was a kid, um, my sister and I would uh, would get up really early and and stand at the top of the stairs because we knew we, were, we weren't allowed to go downstairs, and my dad had this tradition. He, we would have to wait for him to, I mean, we, we would just shake with anticipation at the top of the stairs and, uh, and wait and wait and, and bother them, my, my parents, to get out of bed and we'd pull them out of bed and they would take their sweet time putting on their clothes and getting their shaving, just, just to torture us because they knew we were at the top of the stairs. And my dad would go downstairs first and he'd say, let's see if Santa came. Like, he'd look around the hallway and say, I don't see any evidence that he's been here. And we'd walk into the dining room, and he'd he'd disappear, and we'd hear him go, well, mmm, no, nothing in here. And we're up there going like, it's the dining room, there's nothing in the dining room. Goes into this kind of side little sitting room, and same thing, he disappears, he does the same shtick of, of, nothing in here. And then he'd say, inevitably, he'd say, I don't know if he came. The first couple years, we were really nervous that maybe Santa did not come. But then, you know, after three or four years of this, we were like, of course he came. There's everything's in the, the, go to the family room. Go to the family, where the tree is, where the fireplace is. Santa's not gonna come down and then cart everything into the dining room.
2: Dad, you idiot!
6: Family room. Family room. Go to the... Yeah. <laughs> Nothing in here.
2: Oh my god, Dad, I would kill you! Please yeah.
5: let us down the stairs!
6: Maybe I'll go look up in the attic.
7: What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? It's not going to be in the attic.
5: Oh, guys, be... your dad's having fun. Come on. <laughs> Point your stupid, freshly shaven face towards the family room. I
4: want to talk to you guys about your dad. Okay. He has Alzheimer's. What? <laughs> he doesn't know where the presents are.
5: Uh that is true. We've been saying he was having fun, but holy hell. Finn.
4: Finn. Oh ho ho, come in here, elves.
5: Ho ho ho!
4: Merry Christmas! Thank you again. I want to tell you something I've never told you about Christmas.
1: See, you know we've been working for you for 472 years. (laughs) You're gonna have to dig deep in that bag.
4: Well, I've told you that it's a magical time of year. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I've told you we give presents to millions of children in the world. We know, we make all
5: that yeah. stuff. Yeah, we do that.
4: What I haven't told you. Rudolph has cancer. I The red nose is
1: Why didn't we get him treated? He's had that red nose for so long.
4: For years, we just thought it was adorable.
5: I feel so bad, we used to laugh and call him names. See?
7: I have a question. I wonder what you guys think of this, and I think this makes me sound like a bad person. Do you feel like Christmas loses... A lot of the joy when you hit an age where you have to start buying presents for other people. <laughs> yes. I have not hit that
5: age. Really? <laughs> a-, a thousand percent. Yes. I feel like
7: it like takes all, it, It's like a fun magic thing, and then when you actually have to give back to other people, it becomes. I think that's Such true. a drag. Yeah.
1: Such a drag. Your parents didn't make you give presents to your siblings?
7: To my sibling, I had one brother our elementary school rent. Did you guys have this? Your elementary... Our elementary school had a thing that was just bad presents. <laughs> it's like cheap bread. You'd go into the gym and be like, oh, you can buy, like, your dad a little screwdriver set. Or you can buy your mom a plastic ring. It was all the same stuff. So every year, my brother was just an interchangeable, like, I got you the neon fly swatter. Great, I got you the slap bracelet, you know? And our mom would give us the money anyway.
4: I, uh, th- this is going to... It might sound cynical. My wife and I... Um, we don't give each other Christmas presents, um, because neither of us believe in holidays.
5: You don't Um, believe in them.
1: (laughs) Well, they're out there. Like, they're, they exist. (laughs) uh,
7: Every 4th of July, do you think a war is breaking out?
2: (laughs) Um,
4: no, to Chris's point, um... No, neither of us like the pressure of uh, having to get a gift, and we just don't like him. So we're just like, no, we don't want that in our relationship.
6: Well, I'm the opposite. When I grew up, I remember the first uh, presents I bought, and it's still essentially true of me now, is that uh, I'm really excited for people to open the present I found or made for them. And uh, watching them open other people's presents makes me angry. (laughs) And I just am waiting for them to get to my present. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to walk you back on that one.
4: Are you making a
6: lot of presents? Made?
4: <laughs> Same thing. What is, what is That's unusual your about really that? You're a really good
7: person. Mom. Mom.
4: Oh, sweetie. I got this for you. Oh, sweetie. It's a paper oh. puppet. Oh, honey. It's a paper puppet. Oh, honey. So, What'd you get me?
1: what, Greg? Now is not a good time. Oh, okay. Sorry, sweet. I, um, mom's I... mom's friend, Greg. <laughs> um, he might want a paper puppet to play with too. Yeah,
4: yeah, Greg might um, want a paper puppet. I only made one paper puppet.
1: Um. Well, you know what? That's great, honey, because. Greg and mommy are gonna share, cause sharing yeah. is caring. you. Yeah. sharing
4: is-, is caring. Okay. I want you to share the paper puppet. Oh,
1: that's awesome. Yeah, thank you for that. That's nice. Greg, can you please put on a rope?
2: Sure, I guess so.
1: Okay, sweetie, now remember we said when Greg's want- over, we're gonna knock on the door and we're not gonna come in at three. I love my paper puppet. I I... love my paper puppet, but it's time to go back to bed. Okay? Can I get in bed with
4: you
7: guys? Not a good time,
1: baby. Not a good time. And
7: I'm going to be honest.
1: No, maybe not. Not a good time. (laughs) (laughs) See? (laughs) Wait, so probably not usable, but for my own sake, there's two things that we went past that I want to hear. And one is what Greg was going to say when he said, "Can I be honest with you?" I was
7: going to Greg was going to say, "I'm going to be honest. I didn't get you anything, but your present will be a father figure if you play your cards right." <laughs>
5: <laughs> um I you know what? I like had uh, there was no like religious factor in my Christmas experience, but it was all about like creating your own magic, I feel like. Like, we had this family tradition where Christmas Eve, everyone had to do one trick, which could be of any sort. <laughs> and then if you, you did your trick, you got to open one present before you went to bed. Well,
6: now you're a professional performer.
5: All the tricks, like, I mean, it was all kinds of things. Like, I remember one year my aunt and uncle timed, like, a nostril flashlight dance to dueling banjos. And, like, there was...
4: Welcome to the Bryant Family Talent Show. Um, Does anyone want to start? Um, I think Jeff,
1: we've got a real great lineup. Oh, we got a great. We're really excited. Great. Really lineup. excited. A great, really big, excited. Big, big, big,
4: big big lineup this year. Um,
1: but I have to say, I've been hearing whisperings from Samantha that she's got a real great talent coming up. It's not ready. Oh. <laughs> it's not ready. It's not ready. Uh, okay, okay, okay oh, sweetie. Oh. Stop. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay, sweetie. It's okay. 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 It's okay, sweetie. It's All
4: right. Okay. We'll just do some banter. <laughs> We'll do some
1: banter Or, or to we cover could ask Michael if he's ready. Yeah. yeah, I'm ready.
7: I've been ready for this all year. Okay. <laughs> I've been waiting for this opportunity all year.
1: Michael, I'm going to remind you of the ages of everybody in the family.
7: <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So yeah, soon. I'll remind you of my age. I'm 16, and I'm finally seeing the world for what it is, man. <laughs> <laughs> finally seeing the world for what it is. I'm 16, okay, Michael. man. Okay, Michael. Okay, Michael. Michael, calm down. Michael. 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 Okay. Michael. Calm Michael. down. Yeah. Michael, okay. Michael. Calm down. Calm Michael. Down. I'm relax. Calm. I'm calm. I'm... Who's? I'm I'm calm. I'm, I'm calm. Uncurl your fists. Who's yelling? Uncurl your fists. That's just how my hands are comfy. Hey. This hey. <laughs> is how my hands are comfortable. Michael. What? Are those brass knuckles? No, not if you don't hit anybody with them. <laughs> right. Michael, put those away. They're just interconnected rings. We. Mike, Mike can, we... can I
2: have them? Can I have them?
7: Yeah, take them. Do whatever you want with them. Cool. Five golden rings. <laughs> Give them back. Give them back. Anything but that anything but that. I, I, I,
4: think, I think one of the things that's really evocative about Christmas in childhood is, is actually fire. Like, you, <laughs> like we used to make fires, and what? In, in the fireplace, where oh, one makes
2: fire.
5: <laughs> you said, like, we, like, every, I think it's a common experience. <laughs>
7: Like, collectively, we We all associate Christmas with fire.
5: (laughs) I agree with Mike, where we always had, like, a big, beautiful fireplace where we would kind of gather around, but um, my parents uh, remodeled their house, like, when I was probably 11 a little bit, and they redid the fireplace, and it was, like, all these, like, river rocks. (laughs) Gorgeous, I know. but they were, like, fake, you know? I mean, you couldn't tell that if you went, except for there's still, to this day, one at the very top that's deflated. <laughs> it's, like, this deflated river rock. And so in all our Christmas pictures, it's all of us, like, seated in front of the fireplace and hanging above us is this, like, weird, indented, sort of, like, light gray river rock. Um, what's a river rock? <laughs> Oh, well, I'm sorry. I was born and raised in the desert. So we're always searching for rivers. Um, no, it's just, they're like, just like rounded rocks. <laughs>
1: so w- they couldn't get real ones? They had to get fake ones? Whoa, burn.
5: <laughs> it just taking like my family to task. Also, is, is it full of air? Like why is it deflated? Look, I didn't build it. I just, I frickin' lived it. Eighty,
1: can you come here for a sec, sweetie? Mm Mm-hmm. Loved hearing you on the radio. Oh, (laughs) okay. Um, I have to say, your dad and I got real sad, though. What what
5: story you had to tell? Um, I guess, I, I don't know. They chose that one. I did a ton of other nice stories. Did you talk about what happened when we gave you a four-foot St. Bernard stuffed toy? I'm gonna stop this scene.
7: Really? Why? Why, you don't wanna hear our opinions on how your, your, your hip tight pants friends don't like our rocks? Your hip, your hip friends with their tight pants?
1: They act like they don't know what a rock is. They act like they don't know what a rock is.
7: Oh, cause you say river,
4: you don't know it's just a rock? Hey, uh I heard your daughter on the radio. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. We're
4: avid. Teresa and I are avid listeners yeah. to the public radio station <laughs> okay. here in Arizona. And it was wow. very disappointing to hear that your family uh, is, um, is, a, is an embarrassing family. See! <laughs> I will say... I will say the thing that was um, that was particularly special about Christmas, because when I try to analyze what it is that made me experience like this absolute euphoria in these two days, is um, is that my dad was there. And <laughs> my dad's a doctor, he, you know, which is wonderful. Uh, you know, he's a great doctor, but he just. There would be no two days in the year for sure when I would know that he would be around for those two days. And it was like, there's something where there's this joy of like the full family that I'll I just, I'll never forget.
6: Kids, kids, line up, Daddy's He's going to be here today. He's going to be here today. Promise? You promise? There's nothing that could stop that, right? No, he's coming. Today is the day. He wrote us. He told us. He phoned. Everything's all set.
5: Oh man, I'm gonna get love from him, I'm gonna get advice from him, I'm gonna get a spanking from him because I've been bad.
1: I have so many questions to ask him that will shape how I view men.
7: <laughs> I'm just gonna quietly observe him and then mimic him subtly forever.
2: I'm so excited! I can't wait!
6: Oh, here he
1: comes. Oh, oh Dad. <laughs>
0: Kids. <laughs> Tammy Eddie, what's your name? Uh sah so something I, with an S.
6: It's Samantha. <laughs> I'm your wife.
4: Dad, Dad, dad. look at my wards.
6: Very nice.
5: Dad, spank me! <laughs> <laughs> I stole two years ago.
0: I just don't see why we have to go crazy like this. I don't see why we all have to go so crazy. Because we
1: miss you. You're never around. Dad, if I got all A's, would you be around more? <laughs> I've been throwing up, Dad.
2: <laughs>
1: Dad
6: don't I, they look good, though? Don't they look good? They look all clean, and your they, they they, they, posture's very good, and just like you like it, just like you like it. Dad, I,
4: I appreciate that you work for Federal Express, <laughs> <laughs> and that you guys will deliver packages... Twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred and sixty-five days a year. Plus you
1: were on that island for a couple of
4: years. <laughs> <laughs> but you're just never around for us. We just want to hug you for an hour. Oh my god,
6: don't don't say that out loud. Don't I just his...
0: think that that uh, you just need to understand that I, that uh, that I love you all, but I'm just very busy. Just very, very, oh, busy very, maybe you could just let him, let him hug you, please.
5: No, it's okay, Mom. Dad's too busy for a hug.
6: (laughs) Thomas, look at their faces.
1: It's okay, Mom. I I don't deserve to be touched. (laughs) Sometimes I just send an empty package hoping that you'll bring
8: it back.
7: Dad, I just want you to know I can sense the emotional distance you're keeping, and someday I plan on replicating and furthering it. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll, I'll see you all next year.
2: Oh, oh. Dad. Oh, there he goes. You know
7: what I just noticed, Dad? It's like your inverse Santa Claus. Like Santa Claus brings kids packages one day a year, and then you never see him again, and we only see you today, and then you bring people packages every other day.
4: <laughs> and we watch as the dad gets into his FedEx truck and he drives off into the distance and the kids notice that the FedEx truck flies into the air. Oh. Scene.
0: Our Christmas improvisers in alphabetical order. Scott adds it, Mike Birbiglia, A.D. Bryan, Chris Gethardt, Tammy Sager, and Sashir Zameda.
9: Santa Claus And when Santa Asked him What he wanted For Christmas
2: I heard him Reply I want
9: Daddy home For Christmas Day Cause he drives A truck and he's always gone And mom cries a lot When he's not home for Christmas So could you please ask my dad to stay home
0: Coming up, normally responsible adults doing stuff that is wrong, just wrong, for Christmas. That's in a minute from Chicago Public Radio when our program continues. it's American Life, Myra Glass. Each week in our program, of course, we choose a theme, bring you different kinds of stories on that theme. Today's program, Say Yes to Christmas, stories where people embrace possibility, try something different because that is how you get back to the feeling of wonder that children have at Christmas when everything is so new. We've arrived at Act 2 of our program, Act 2, Oily Potter and the Gobble of Fire, One of our producers, Stephanie Fu, recently discovered a Christmas tradition that's still pretty new in our country that, no kidding, brought her joy, no kidding, made the world seem like a bigger, more wonderful place to her. She has this report.
3: I don't remember how I stumbled on my very first turkey explosion video, but I do remember everything else about it. The video is called Why You Should Never Deep Fry a Frozen Turkey. Two firefighters are standing at the ready in front of a fire truck on a lawn somewhere. In front of them stands a large pot full of hot oil on a propane burner. Another firefighter in full gear comes out with a raw pink turkey hanging from the end of a long stick. He lowers the turkey into the pot. It's totally submerged in oil. And then the oil bubbles and overflows, spilling everywhere. And a couple of fireballs even burst out of the pot in gusts. And then, just when you think it's over, here comes the best part. Suddenly, suddenly, an enormous 20 foot column of fire blasts out of the pot like Sauron himself has been conjured by way of poultry sacrifice. I watched it again and again. Then I pulled in my coworker, Sean, come here. What? Sean Cole, to watch with me another time.
2: Okay, oh my God. Whoa! Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh great.
3: <laughs> it's just so pleasurable. I saw in the Up Next column on YouTube that there were more videos like this. Turkey Fryer Fire Safety PSAs, put out by fire departments across the country. We stopped counting at 150 videos. They come from Tucson to Pensacola to Danville, California. All made to demonstrate the dangers of deep frying. A lot of the videos were clearly done as segments for local TV stations. But some departments employ different theatrical methods to amp up the drama in the PSAs. Some use slow mo some play epic music, as you watch close-ups of the pot of oil. Some spray water in the pot. Obviously, something you should never do with a grease fire, as it doubles the size of the flames. William Shatner even stars in one video, titled Eat, Fry, Love, created by State Farm. In it, he's playing the inept chef.
9: I want a moister, tastier turkey. I want a deep-fried turkey.
3: And... There is a dubstep remix.
9: I want a deep fried turkey. I want a moisture tastier turkey. I want a deep fried turkey.
3: Amazingly, this was also released by State Farm.
9: As a hunger, I was young. Blinded by my hunger, I ignored safety. I want a deep
2: fried turkey. I want a moisture tastier turkey.
3: Then there are the jackass videos. Oh my God! Where regular people without safety gear lower turkeys into deep fryers, sometimes from alarming heights underneath trees and basketball hoops. Of course, there's a subgenre here of people who actually wind up catching their decks on fire and fly into a panic. Just saying, your average turkey fryer incident injures four people. Four. Because it's a spectator sport, which is why fire departments do these videos every year. But after my seventh time watching Why You Should Never Deep Fry a Turkey, it occurred to me that there's another reason why they do them. I noticed one of the firefighters standing in the back. He was barely suppressing a grin. I zoomed in on him, watched it again. Definitely a grin. So I called him to ask about it. His name is Lieutenant Daniel Ackerman of the Scambia County Fire Rescue.
9: Definitely one of the highlights of being in the, the office When you actually drop that turkey, you're not 100% sure how it's going to come out.
3: Here are some of the guys from the Fargo Fire Department. They have one of my favorite videos. Hi! Hi! Hi. Do all of you guys like setting turkeys on fire?
9: (laughs) Yeah, you're doing the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be putting out fire, but you get to start one. Yeah, it's fun.
3: What's your favorite part about the flaming turkey tradition? Making as
9: big a fireball as you can. Yeah.
3: And they're good at it. Fargo's fireball is two stories tall. Your explosion is huge. Yeah. What is happening where Uh, you are able to get it to be so big?
9: Sure. Well, we're not following any of the safety recommendations um, to get it to be that dramatic to show people absolute worst case what can happen.
3: Did you guys practice...
9: Yeah, yep. We did find out through practice that the more oil we put in the pot, by filling it to the top, made the the fireball as big as possible.
3: Quick science lesson. These frozen turkeys are filled with ice. Ice, of course, is water, and water does not mix with oil. So when the turkeys hit the oil, that ice turns to water, turns to steam, which pushes the oil out of the pot. And when that hits the flame underneath, boom. Boom. So your basic turkey-frying don'ts are as follows. One, don't put in a frozen turkey. You should thaw your turkey 24 hours for every five pounds. That's three whole days for a 15-pounder. Two, don't put in a wet turkey or a too-big turkey. Three, don't overfill the pot with oil or overheat the oil. Four, do not do this inside. And lastly, most fire departments would tell you, the most important don't is just, please, don't deep fry a turkey at all. Fargo double-did all the don'ts. Like while some firefighters heat their demonstration pots to 350, Fargo took theirs to 700. The pot of oil is obviously already in flames and overflowing before the turkey gets anywhere near it, like an active volcano. I managed to find the first Turkey fire video from 2002. It's called Turkey Fryer, Your Dinner or Your Life. It's hosted by this earnest guy in a hard hat named John Dringenberg, who is not in it for the fun, the fame, or the fireballs. I asked him, is he proud of being the originator of this new holiday tradition, the turkey explosion video?
9: Okay, first of all, I'm an engineer, so there aren't explosions.
3: Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Okay. So what would the the, uh, appropriate terminology be?
9: Flaming oil is, is being um, expelled from the turkey fryer.
3: So uh, so how do you feel about being the originator of the tradition of flaming turkey oil videos?
9: It's not unusual. It's in keeping with our mission of, of alerting people to, to safety issues.
3: Sure. But, you know, outside of the mission, like, what does it make you feel?
9: Like we've accomplished a, a goal of, of alerting people to the dangers.
3: John works for Underwriters Laboratories. They test products to make sure they're safe. I just walked over to the part of our office that has a toaster and a coffee grinder, and I found UL logos on everything, even the light bulbs. And so when John started testing turkey deep fryers at UL in 2002, he found them so egregiously dangerous and prone to failure that they put out a press release calling for stronger turkey fryer guidelines. And because most people don't read press releases, he figured they had to make a PSA informing people about those dangers, too. Because John sees danger around us all the time. And he does not think the turkey videos are sensationalistic in the slightest.
9: I think we tried to show the reality. Even if you're using it correctly and a dog runs by it or it could bump into the stand and knock the tur- turkey fryer down, which would cause uh, some very serious burns on a, on a pet as well as a child.
3: Do your friends and family ever, uh, are you like calling them out and being like, please don't do that, and are they like, oh, come on, just chill out about it, it's fine?
9: Well, the fact is, they call me Mr. Safety, and I've actually cut a cord off my mother-in-law's fan because it was so, the cord was all ratty and, you know, it was cracked, the insulation was cracked, and there was bare wire on it, and I said, you can't plug this fan in, and she said, well, I'm, I need it. to it keeps me cool. And I said, it's, it's not good for you. So I, I unplugged it myself and I cut the cord off. So she,
6: Why
3: didn't you nice. just take the fan?
9: Well, I could have done that.
3: So you're a bit of a worrier.
9: Well, I've got a bit of experience in, in the field of, of uh, product safety.
3: Do you have any other really important holiday cautionary tips for us before I let you go?
9: Make sure your smoke alarm is working. Make sure you water your your tree. Uh, you have to run your hand along the branches in the tree lot to make sure you don't end up with a handful of needles. If you do, the tree is too dry. You should never bring it home. There are statistics you can get, by the way, Stephanie, from places like the Consumer Product Safety Commission on just how many people are injured each year while decorating. I mean, it's like 18,000 people hurt themselves decorating. Oh my God. Yeah. We could talk for two hours, if, if you'd like, about decorating. Uh, Cautionary tips, Jeez, I mean... Well, we, why
3: even celebrate at all?
9: Oh, that's... We're not Grinches here. We just want to keep people safe. That's our mission. Whatever your holiday... and, and It's not just Christmas. It's Hanukkah. It's Kwanzaa. Uh,
2: uh-huh. All of
9: that. And all of those holidays, by the way, use candles. <laughs> you want to go into candles? You ready for candles? Can you handle it?
3: John suggests that in lieu of candles this year... Try using LED tea lights instead. And if you think that's too drastic, please go to YouTube right now and type in the words Christmas tree fires. And then help John have a Merry Christmas. Go water your tree.
0: Stephanie Fu is one of the producers of our program. We checked, by the way, with the Consumer Product Safety Commission and learned that on average, there are only about 13, 13 Turkey fryer-related incidents a year, which means one of two things, okay? Either number one, the hundreds of Turkey fryer fire videos online are unnecessary, or number two, the hundreds of Turkey fryer fire videos online are working. Act three, the first Noel. Andre is six years old, and this is his first Christmas with, you know, Santa and presents and the whole deal. And already it's been like one incredible thing after another. Till recently... He and his little brother, Luke, who's four, had been in an orphanage in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And in the orphanage, Christmas was not much of a thing. But now they're living outside Seattle, where it definitely is a thing. Weeks ago, Christmas lights started popping up.
8: And they would point to them and say, wow, mom, look at that. And so we started to explain, yeah, that's for Christmas. It's to celebrate Christmas.
0: This is Jennifer. She and her husband adopted Andre and
2: Luke.
8: And then when we drove through the neighborhood just with the purpose of looking for lights. They were just nonstop. It didn't matter how big the light display was. They were amazed.
2: Whoa! Whoa! But look at Snoopy. <gasps> wow,
0: <Snoopy. laughs> This is obviously from a recording they made on that drive. Jennifer and her husband also have two little girls, seven and
8: five, who you can hear on the recording. And no one wanted to go home. (laughs) They just couldn't get enough of it. It's been kind of a
0: crash course since the boys arrived in the States. They just got here this November. They'd heard some Christmas basics before. This adoption process has taken three years. And Jennifer lived with the boys in Kinshasa for most of this year. And she talked about Christmas a little bit with the boys. But, you know, if you think about it, it is a lot to cover with her girls, you know, from the time that they could speak, they were basically living in a world with Christmas and Santa and all that. But with the boys, it must have been strange for you. You really have to, like, start at the beginning and walk through, like, a lot of stuff. And it's like, right. there's reindeer and there's, like, there's, a, there's really, like, a kind of a lot to explain, right?
8: <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, we had to hit a lot of basics. Who is Rudolph? Who is even Santa? I mean, the fact that we had a Christmas tree in our house... Well, and and even though we went to pick out a Christmas tree and then tied this tree onto our car, you know, the little things that we just do every year, so we don't really think about it as strange. But when you're a kid and you see a tree tied to a car or you're tying it to your own car, he'd be like, "Why? what are they doing to the tree? Why are they putting it on the roof? <laughs> and we opened up the the sunroof, well, he was in there, just the window part so he could see it, and he just stared at it in awe.
0: One of the recordings you made is of, I guess, Andre saying over and over, are you kidding me, guys? Are you kidding me, guys? Are you kidding me, guys? <laughs> What's that about?
8: Yeah, he kept opening new ornaments and seeing a new ornament. He's, We have a tradition in our family that we hang up a ornament with a picture of each child each year. So he... He, they were both really excited to see their own faces on ornaments as they hung them up. So,
2: Are you kidding me, guys? <laughs> Are you kidding me, guys? Are you kidding me, guys? Are you
8: kidding me, Gabby? Because English is so new. So um, he usually uses that when he sees something that he really likes.
0: <laughs> Growing up in the orphanage, not only did they not have ornaments and trees and Santa, they didn't get presents. Not for Christmas, not for birthdays.
8: Yeah, you know, they didn't really have belongings before. Everything was shared at the orphanage.
0: Neither of them ever asked anybody for a gift or picked out a present to give to somebody. That's all new. Of course, Christmas is just one of the new things that they're experiencing in their new lives in this country. The orphanage that they lived in was on the outskirts of Kinshasa and didn't have electricity or running water. Even going to a store was a new experience for the boys when they joined Jennifer's
8: family. Everything's amazing right now. So it's not hard to believe that Santa comes and brings you gifts. That's just one of the many things.
0: Compared with the incredibleness of, you know, living in a house with water that comes out of faucets and a playroom and a family, Santa Claus, the idea of Santa Claus, that's just really just like one more thing on the list, right? A guy flies in with a sleigh in the middle of the night with a bag of presents. Why not? It's all kind of amazing if we just let ourselves see it that way. Is it all about your family like they say, letting go your worries for a day? Is it a star on a tree or a present in a bow? I don't know.
2: Is there any bell that still
0: rings true? Tell me, what is Christmas to you? Well, our program was produced today by Jonathan Manjivar with Zoe Chase, Sean Cole, Neil Drumming, Stephanie Fu, Hannah Jaffe, walt Mickey Meek, Robin and Alyssa Ship, and Nancy Updike. Our senior producers, Brian Reed. Our editors, Joe Lovell. Julie Snyder is our editorial consultant. Our technical director is Mr. Matt Tierney, who recorded our improv show this week. Production help from Lily Sullivan. Seth Lind is our operations director. Emily Condon is our production manager. Elise Bergerson is our business operations manager. Elna Baker scouts stories for our show and helps produce our night of improv. Kimberly Henderson is our office coordinator. Research help from Christopher Sutara, Music help from Damian Gray from Rob Geddes. Special thanks today to Margaret Stewart. Deputy Chief Kevin Ford and the Yonkers Fire Department. Andrew Mum and the Bell House. Original music in today's program was composed by Nico Muley and mixed by Fritz Myers. Lucy Wainwright-Roach and Rebecca Pronsky performed the 12 Days of Christmas at the beginning of our show. Our website, thisamericanlife.org. This American Life is delivered to public radio stations by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. Thanks, as always, to our program's co-founder, Mr. Tori Malatia, who gives me regular critiques of our program. And, you know, it always seems he's a little confused by the show.
2: What do you mean? What do you mean? What are you saying?
0: I'm Ara Glass. Happy holidays, everybody. We'll be back next week with more stories of This American Life.